crack a beer and join John and Mr. Steve as they explore the people, places, and brews of the craft beer world. You are now entering the Mighty Brews Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mighty Brews, episode 70. My name is John. With me, as always, Mr. Steve. How you doing tonight? New intro night. What do you think about the new intro? It slaps, as the kids say. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's pretty cool. Uh, we're not brought to you by anybody yet. I'll tell you what. We're brought to you by Funk Brewing in, uh, in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. So um, make sure you guys are checking them out online. And uh, we've got a link uh, rolling down. Or, you know, make sure you follow them on all the social media pages and stuff like that. But um, obviously, you can tell we are on site here. And um, we've got two special guests, uh, a good friend of the show, Dave McAdoo, the sales extraordinaire here at Funk Brewing. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem, sir. Thanks, Thanks for, for helping set all this up. That was uh, really exciting. And Scott, you are the head brewer and owner, co-owner <laughs> of the brewery. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little yeah, bit. Thanks for, thanks for coming out. Mr. Steve, did I introduce you? Yeah, probably not. I said, uh, my name is John. With me as always, Mr. Steve, didn't I? Yeah, probably. I think I did. Well, how are you doing tonight, didn't Mr. Steve? Didn't ask me how my day was or anything. Yeah, how are you? You usually just reply with a, a well-thought-out joke. Yeah, I didn't have one. T- I, I realized that like, as soon as the intro started, I was like, fuck, I forgot my joke. Yeah, you always have one. Did you Did you have one? I didn't have one. You want one. to start over? No. Okay. I don't. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a new intro. I'm pretty excited about that. We rolled that out tonight, and uh, a lot of new exciting stuff happening with the podcast, so... Uh, just make sure you guys are following us on all the social media stuff so you can keep up with everything that's going on. So, um, guys, Funk Brewing, I'm so excited to be here because I remember having my first citrus and it being like a mind-blowing experience. Like, this is one of the best beers out right now. And um, I'm just really excited to, to talk to you guys about the story behind the brewery what led up to uh, and, and what it was like maybe having something that did catch fire and was really popular. Um, all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. But let's go. Since you're a new guest, Scott, we have to ask you, take us back to your early craft beer days when, um, you know, was there a moment where you had something that wasn't a Bud Light or Miller Light and you were like, holy crap, there's, there's something better out there. Uh, tell us about that. All right, so when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies was Sword in the Stone. And I remember okay. there's a scene in Sword in the Stone where all the monks are just drinking beer and they're splashing it around. And right. in my mind, I had this idea of what beer would taste like by seeing the monks do that. Okay. And then I tried beer. It was like a Coors Light. Yeah. I'm like, that's not, not what it tastes like. <laughs> right, yeah. So I didn't really drink at all yep. until I was around 21. A friend of mine actually had a job at Changi's and he started like showing me some beers. And they were like, oh, this is different and it's pretty good. But then right after I turned 21, I, uh, I bought a case of La Trap Double just on like a, uh, <laughs> on like a whim. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, Jackpot. all right. <laughs> Grabbed a couple bottles of La Trap. It was snowing. Lived in Emmaus. Went and got one of my friends. We went up in the woods. Beer was still warm when I bought it. And then we just put a couple bottles in the snow. We were playing with this dog, throwing snowballs at each other. And then we sat down and I cracked one. Probably too cold for the beer, but yeah, it comes out and the foam freezes on top of it. I take a sip of it, and I was like, "Wow, that's good!" And all of a sudden, in my mind it goes, "That tastes like monks made it," and it did. <laughs> yeah. And they did. And then from that moment, I was like hooked. So tastes like celibacy. Yes, <laughs> just like dedication. <laughs> that's to awesome. Fungus fermenting the work. It's so interesting to hear those different stories from people, and uh, you know how how the memory is. 
what the memory's like and, and how it affected them. But Dave, do you remember what your, I don't remember what your answer was. Well, I, I had an answer, um, but I wanted to, I was thinking about what he was saying, drinking, thinking about beer from the young age, so I wanted to preface it by how we got introduced to beer, which other than, you know, getting sips from your dad after he, you know, mowed the lawn or whatnot, but it was, um, it was Schmitz. Because that's what Kevin's grandmother drank. We had some Schmitz. <laughs> so we had Schmitz. Shout out Salty. Um, and we would drink that. Um, and it was probably around 21. And we were drinking LITs because, you know, that was the most alcohol you could get in one drink at a time until we started like, oh, what's that? So it, it was either, it's like a three-way tie. Guinness, Dead Guy, and Sammy Smith's Oat Brown. Like, yeah. th- those are the two I really remember, but I remember like at a young age drinking the darker beers and everyone looking at me like, what are you drinking? And I'd already had like a beer nerd sense from that, like, well, not that piss. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. I didn't really know any better, but yeah, but Dead Guy, I, I re- Dead Guy and Sammy Smith's Oat, like I remember drinking those for the first time, like, whoa. We, we should point out that for the people that don't actually know, Dave and I go back a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So what are, what, actually, what are we thinking, 91, 90? Well, it would have been... Was it ninth grade? introduced to Tony, so it would have been ninth grade. Yeah, because you went to Gordon. Yeah. And I went to North. So, so it would have been, been like been 90. Ninth grade. Yeah, so 90, 89, 90. Yeah, because you come over and watch Sports Center. Cooler than the other side of the pillow. Our friendship could drink <laughs> beer legally. Yeah, yeah. And then we played Mortal Kombat, and then... Your little brother would come in, and then you'd yell at him. It's fun times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Scott, I'd like to hear a little history about how you got into brewing and um, how did that turn into wanting to open up your own spot? All right. So, I, I didn't work here or was part of this brewery when it first opened. Okay. So, I... Uh, Which, when did Funk actually open? In 2014. 2014. Okay. All right. So, I... Uh, at the time, I worked at a couple of different beer bars in the area. I bartended at Cannons. I don't know if anybody remembers Cannons down in Ninth and Liberty in Allentown. A little like a small like Irish dive bar. Had an awesome beer selection. It was about sixty-five different bottles, and that's where I really kind of learned about. We would, we would get like you know lots of Belgian beers. We get like Phantom, like saisons, and all kinds of stuff in this little tiny. It was it was awesome, and that was where I got on. What's it called now? Uh, Sings or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a little not a beer, not a beer bar. Yeah, um, <laughs> I worked there for two years, and uh, I hung out there for years too. And I was homebrewing pretty much from that first La Trap experience, trying to get that going. And uh, from there, I ended up uh, I ended up working at uh, uh, Tavern on Liberty or Liberty Street Tavern on okay. uh, near Muhlenberg's campus in Allentown, and I was bartending there for a while. And I started doing like the beer program, curating bottle lists. And I became the buyer yep. that was doing all that and nice. like doing all draft lists and, and doing all kinds of events. And I got to know a lot of people, got to know people who owned Funk at the time, at the you know, people who founded Funk. And, um, and I just kind of got more and more into beer. I ended up being president of Lehigh Valley Beer Week for a year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, for ah. interim, yeah. And I yep. did that, and that was fun for about a month and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of just like forgot about it and then the next year came around I'm like yeah I don't want to do that again yeah. yeah and then uh, I ended up uh, just uh, just you know just wanted to change and I actually just uh, 
quit my job and was working here part-time as a bartender just yep. kind of figuring out what I want to do. It's just like, they're like, hey, you need someone to wash some kegs? And I was like, I'll do that. Yeah. You want to hang out in Canyon Day? I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And then the next thing I know, I'm brewing part-time. And sure. Full-time. And then you know, I'm head brewer. And then, you know, it's been... I put a lot of work in the last two years with the pandemic and like, you know, I just pretty much brewed beer for the last like two years. Yeah. I didn't really get to go anywhere or do anything but <laughs> right. brew beer. Yep. And uh, I was made an offer to like, you know, become part of the company and grow and we have a lot of good big plans to, to do that and uh, we have a lot of good beer coming out and we're trying to, you know, kind of honor some of our past because our, our recipes, like, you know, they always change. They're always evolving and yep. like some of them, you know, we have the beer OGC that we're going to like hopefully everybody's going to go out and buy because it it's delicious. Um, citrus now is awesome and we love it. Yeah. And, uh, but it doesn't taste like it did when we first started making it. And that doesn't mean it's bad or that, but it was more like a West Coast IPA. We, in 2014 when they opened, I drank all those beers of being a buyer and yeah. it has a real crisp, like little bitter edge to it. Right. Less sweet and like, just like a quicker finish. And uh, we were really, really excited to like be able to reproduce that. Yeah. Did, yeah. What was it like buying, you know, beer and and back then, versus what it probably is now? I mean, I was so lucky I got out when I did. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I feel like there's a there's a ton more labels out there, but I, I like I mean I, I feel like there's a lot less like character and there's a lot less like uniqueness. Sure. In a lot of places, because I feel like there was a time where I could find like, oh, this beer is from this certain place, and I would have a certain taste. Now I think that everything's kind of like placelessness. Right. Everything just, you know, and, and I, I mean, I, I, we do it too, but I mean, a lot of people, we just like, okay, what are we going to do? Is we're going to like, we're going to make a beer, we're going to put oats in it, and we're going to put citra, and we're going to ferment it with one or two different yeast strains. It's going to be a juice bomb, and everyone's going to love it. But you kind of lose some character and like some experimenting with different hops and stuff. Everybody's yeah. like citra, mosaic, Simcoe, and, you know, then maybe some New Zealand stuff, and Nelson, or some Galaxy. And we do all of that too. That's probably 90% of all the beers we do. Right. But we like to do some more stuff because there's more interesting flavors that you can, you know, taste more, you can taste more like locations and places from instead of just being overwhelmed in all those delicious, juicy, tropical flavors. I know why people want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah for so, sure. But it's. Well, well, speaking of the non hazy offerings, we're drinking casual, which is your American lager. American lager. I've undergone a little bit of a, I don't want to say a transformation. I'll call it a shift where that's what I'm craving. I'm craving lagers. I'm craving pilsners. This is a really nice lager. Nice, man. It's, it's, it's a, I don't want to say a football beer, but it's one that I can definitely see cracking a couple at 1 o'clock and then 4 o'clock and then 8 o'clock right. as the games go on. And I just, I don't have to worry about it over killing my palate. It's probably, you know, 4.5. It's not going to get me wrecked, so I'm not going to have a bad day at work the next day if I have three of them, and it's really good. Yeah, thank you. It's really satisfying to be able to, like, you know, be able to brew a beer like that when, like, you know, you, you, you're making, like, pretty heavily dry hop beers or pretty extreme-flavored beers that you can challenge yourself and go, okay, can I actually do this? Right. Can I actually have skill at my, at my job, and, like, can I make a beer that... I can really prove that, like, I, I, I love doing this. Yeah. And that um, 
also appeals to more. I mean, it doesn't sound like this because, as much as I don't like to say it, but like that appeals to more people than like a hazy IPA. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like that. If you're into the craft beer world, you think it's everything, but like number one selling beers in the world are all like American lagers. Right. And I feel this has way more character and way more like flavor and way more interesting, more complex body and everything than you know some macro beer. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think you, you're seeing a switch happen where people are, you know, I always say that like the hazies and things like that are important to the industry because that brought in a newer crowd mm-hmm. and they got people really excited into trying new stuff. But um, do you feel like you're seeing people switch back to wanting to try more styles? A little bit. Yeah. I, I, I hope so because, I mean, that's how I grew up like learning about beer. And I was just lucky because there was just like everywhere you looked, you know, you just found new styles from new different regions and different parts of the world. And they're still, they're all still out there, um, and it's it's hard. I think the big thing about the hazy thing, the biggest thing I think that drove that, it was like it was just like it was you people were able to get fresh beer, that more than anything, like that's what really drove that, you know that like, yeah. you, you could like, like the, this like in Pennsylvania especially like how many tasting rooms and breweries opened up in the last ten years, yeah, that, so when people Such were, yeah. yeah, yeah, so when people were like you know I think maybe who got into that who kind of maybe uh, maybe not, initially would kind of be dismissive of say some European beers or some other like older classic styles because sure. that they weren't really able to get them fresh and it was more like a thing that you had that was sitting on a shelf somewhere and they were used to having that that, that, that freshness so yeah. now as some craft breweries and there's a lot of them that have been doing that have been making great styles if you can get fresh different styles Hopefully, people will be uh, excited about that because I like brewing different things. I don't want to brew the same thing yeah, over sure. and over again. Yeah. What do you think has changed as far as um, you know the, the way that people are? Um, completely lost my train of thought just now. <laughs> Let, let's go back to the beer because the the lager itself. I feel like maybe it's a bit of a dry finish, but I just keep wanting like my glass to refill itself. Yeah, that's. But what is that that gives it that dry finish? Is that like characters of the yeast or, or the grain bill or what's doing that? So we use a little rice in there, like you know, like Budweiser does. And, okay. And it finishes a little drier. Yep. Uh, there's a little less protein, so it's a little less sticky on your mouth and like sure. it full, but it's still got some body in there. But if we balance that bitterness just right and, mm. we, and we get the pH right in the mash and we get the pH right at the end of like fermentation, it just like leaves that little bit of bitterness on your tongue. Yeah, so it yep. makes you thirsty. So yeah. You, so when you it's, drink, when you're drinking it, it's not bitter, but when it's done, it leaves a little bit yep. on the back of your tongue. Yeah. That's exactly what it's doing. So I mean, you know, you're talking about how much things have changed in ten years. You guys have been open for you know the last eight years. What have you seen change since this place has been open in the beer scene right here in this area, like right here in Emmaus? Yeah, when Funk first opened, the, I mean, it was like still on the tail end of like where I was kind of knew, thought I knew what was going on in the craft beer scene. And then right. everything changed. It got really, really out there. It was really exciting when I first worked here. I remember like, you know, brewing here for like four or five months and people would line up for our beer and we'd sell out in 45 minutes. And I was thought I was the coolest guy in the world. I yeah, still I mean, those lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, 
I made that. I'm so cool. And, I, and it, was, it was awesome. I loved it. It was my, it was my dream to, you know, I, I love beer and the fact that I was making it and I was, there was such a positive reception about it. And then to see that all of a sudden, like, we weren't, someone new opened up and then all of a sudden the lines went away. We're like, oh, but we're not cool anymore. We're still doing cool stuff. Yeah. And people still stuck around and still love the beer. But to see that there was a little bit of a, uh, you know, everybody was just looking for the next new thing. Open yeah. up next new, I think it's kind of settled out right now because there's so many breweries yes. now. That people are kind of settling, finding what they really like, and people's palates are developing, and they're developing their own tastes and their yeah. own. Yeah. How so. do you combat that? Because you want to do new styles to attract people, but also if you're if you've got something that's a hit, you want to brew as much of it as possible. Right. You know, if you guys were selling stuff out the door and selling out quickly, you know, when did that kind of transform to maybe needing a more distribution model? Um, it, it, it was one of those things where it was like we have we have a kind of a weird size system because we're not like we're not big by any means here, mm-hmm. but for like a small brewery in the area we are, we're pretty big. You know, for, for people that are into yeah. brewing, what size equipment do you have? So we have a fifteen barrel brew house, and like most of our fermenters are thirty barrels. Okay. So most canning runs we do, we get like anywhere from two hundred fifty to three hundred cases out of it, and you know that makes sense, and it's awesome when you sell out. In one day, yeah, and you, and you can just keep making as much as you want of that beer. But when all of a sudden, like you know, it, it, like the novelty wears off, and, and you need to kind of start finding people. People aren't going to find you. You have to start trying to sure. find them and hire excellent salespeople yeah. like David. <laughs> and uh, then you then you have to actually start making more beer to do that. So, yeah. So we contract out like a, a citrus IPA and silent disco, which are our two biggest selling beers. We actually don't make them in-house here anymore. Mm-hmm. We've been through uh, a citrus. We've been through four. This is our fourth different uh, contractor, and like we, this is the longest we stay with anyone. Okay. And they've dialed it in. They make it exactly how we want it. That we use all the same ingredients, all the same things, match the water. We make the beer like we would make it here. Sure. Um, and then that allows us to, to you know. Not have to because when I first started brewing here, we just made citrus IPA every yeah, single non-stop. day, nonstop. So, so what was it like when you, like when that beer caught on? Because I remember having it and being blown away by it, and I don't know what version of it that, that it was, but it was just you know something that was it to me felt like it was new on the scene. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody had to have it. And uh, I, I swear, I don't know for sure, but I swear like I went to Frank's or something like that. And he had just gotten it, so maybe it was it like have. it might not have been the um, the out the door time that I had it, but maybe when distribution was going on, yeah. I remember having you know something like that where there was a bar that I always went to that got it for the first time, yeah. and he was like, "You got to try this. This is like the new hot thing." Frank's in Downingtown. Yeah, Frank's in Downingtown. Yep. Okay. Yep. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Love that place, but um, I, I don't know that much. What was it like when you've got a beer like that that just takes off? Yeah, you, um, I mean, I, w- I was kind of like just observing at the time and seeing the company grow and I'm just learning how to brew. But it was exciting. I mean, like we, we really felt that like we, we kind of cashed in like, and put our chips in on our brand and really felt that we had a chance to be something bigger than just, you know, you know just a, a tap room that we could actually, you know, you know, start putting that in places and expanding our, our territory. And it's, you know, and you kind of just make that decision is if you're going to stay 
small and like punk rock or are you going to sell yeah. out you know but like i mean our, our if we call it selling out we're still we prefer still to sell. call it buying in buying in <laughs> but we're still very yeah. very small and keeping very, the lights on too is yes. what they call it keeping the lights on and you know and, you know making sure we take care of our our employees and that people like you know we our our, our brew team is right now it's me and two other guys and um, Victor and Connor and they're they're you know they're Victor's been here for like four years and it's you know nice to see him start like really coming into his own and you know see him grow as a person and grow as like a brewer and really like where I can sit back and like this last week like I didn't really do anything <laughs> and it was really scary yeah yeah and like but at the same time it was kind of like kind of you know it was also cool and, and an accomplishment in my own is that like, sure that i was like oh I, I learned how to brew and i feel really confident in my in my abilities but now i can like teach someone else and pass it along yeah that's yeah, got to yeah. be really good gratification to see somebody you know take what you've learned and execute yeah. and have a really good product come out of it right that's awesome I'm trying to decide what to do next because I, I don't, don't want to do stout yet. You grabbed the beer and then you just kind of held it there. I like know, but I'm thinking <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to ruin my palate, and I'm wondering what should we do uh, next. So what else should we go there? straight for the OG, or, or do we do uh, do the cozy? Oh, let's go cozy. Let's go I cozy. Think it's nice cozy. Little, yeah. So tell us about cozy. What is this? All right. So cozy is a IPA that we had the wonderful idea of. Putting um, some Rishi cinnamon plum tea in there because uh, we have some tea fans around here and we like to steep up a pot here and there. We haven't done it in a while, but we got a bunch of samples of Rishi tea one time and seeing like what we could do with that. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. What is that? Rishi is like a tea brand. Like a, okay. It's a company and they just do like high end teas and like I, I always like just like their their green tea. I think they have like a jasmine one with like puff rice, like ja- puff jasmine rice in it. It's okay. really good. And uh, we found this one and it was just like it had, uh, there was one, a blueberry one that we really liked, but it was just like, I don't know, it was maybe too much, but we settled on the cinnamon plum one. And um, dude, the, the, the balance on this is surprising. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy because it's got a unique flavor that I feel like I've never had in beer before, but the balance is crazy. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. We're I'm a pretty honest kind of guy on this podcast. When you said tea, I really had to not make my face make a sad face because <laughs> I'm not a tea fan, but this is balanced out enough that it's not I figured it was just going to just overtake it, but it's really there and balanced with the rest of the beer. Yeah, so it's it's, it's, you know, it's a winter IPA. It's got a little bit of spice and that plum gives that a little bit of tartness. If you would have told me it was a spiced IPA, I would have thought that before I would have thought tea. Yeah. That would not have been my first yeah. thought after I drank it. We use the word uh, approachable. Is that the word we use or the word that's you the word use? I use when I'm uh-huh. selling it out in the world is approachable. It like is approachable. Winter warmer style. Yeah. yeah. So, Dave, tell me, tell me what it's like to go out there and sell funk beer. I mean, I know that's kind of a very broad, generic <laughs> question, but... How do you, you feel know, about life? Sir? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, air like? You... you I don't want to break any news here. You've sold stuff that's not as popular, I'll say. Yeah, that's fair. So uh, going into the market, you know, you can find funk at a lot of different places. It's not an unknown beer around. So what's it like to go in there with a little bit of 
heft behind your back because you know you're a known brand at least. Yeah, it, I mean, it is it, it is entirely different. What uh, Steve, of course, is referring to for uh, other listeners is that I used to sell mead, which is not beer. Um, and it was, What's that? Uh, what? Yeah, you can, What's mead? You can watch old episodes and, and <laughs> see the interviews then. Um, <laughs> No, shout out Colony Meadery. They're awesome. You should check them out. I'm by no means disparaging Colony. Mead is just a completely different animal. They make excellent mead, by the way. Yeah, they really fantastic. I'm biased. I have enjoyed their mead. So, but it is different because I don't have to go in with, you know, a a five-minute elevator speech explaining the product and why you've never heard of this, but you need to put it on your shelves. Sure. I come in with Funk, and they're like, oh, Funk. We sell a ton Cool. Of that. How yeah. you doing? You know, I, I've had reactions anywhere from, like, Funk, what, why do you have a sales guy? You, your stuff sells great. I'm like, okay, well, then buy more. But, like, but that and just the <sighs> being able to come in and, and talk about your styles and, and, and what you're trying to do, like Scott is so awesomely explained. And like you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We just we think we make pretty good beer, really good beer, and you know, and and this should be, and this should be spotlighted. And this is why you should have us on draft. And this is why you should have a dedicated line. And this is why you know you should carry, you know, this this release right now. And don't forget about this pre-order and all things. So it is, it's a little bit easier of a lift in. Um, what, what people already know. Sure. Um, but there is also just that, you know, panache of being able to say, like, we're a little bit different. So you really need to make sure you have us on your shelf. Yeah. It, um, it's crazy to me to think about how many beers that these stores and bars have to buy and what can you do to stand out? I mean, that's a, that, that's a question you ask myself every day and you wake up, you know, like, how, how am I going to get on this shelf? How am I going to get, you know, that other awesome brewery off of that tap line so I can convince the guy to, or girl to put ours on? Um, you know, and, in, and everything in sales, it's building relationships. Um, sure. It, it's building relationships, you know, going to those people that you've known. And, and I've been very fortunate to meet a whole lot of awesome people over the years. Um, most of which are still in the industry, so I can still, you know, go to them, or I get a, you know, I get introduced from a friend, or like, oh, you got to go see my buddy over here, and I get, you know, you get an introduction over here and an introduction over there, um, you know. But being the just, the, but being a sales rep for just one brewery, it's it's, you know, it's going in, talking to them, saying hi, and making sure that you know they feel taken care of because there, there's a there is a million brands out there, and, yeah. and, and a lot of them are really good. Uh, but it's like, especially because I cover the five counties or the Philly Five, Montgomery, Bucks, Chester, Delco, Philly. So it's kind of a concentrated area, but it's also going to be very overwhelming. Um, but looking at them and being able to say, like, we are local. Yeah. And, and there still is a good amount of weight to that. Sure. You know, I mean, the guys in New Hampshire and Vermont, like, they make some really good beers up there. Yeah. But it's like, if you're in Philly, you're in Monco, you know, you're in Pottstown, I really feel strongly about having support, you know, the beers and, and the breweries that are around here because that is, 
you know, it goes back into the community. It's, it's the people that live around you. It's the people that you drink with. It's yeah. the people that you know. Um, and so we, we hit with that. You know, we talk to the little corner bars. We, I mean, nobody's too big or too small for us to go in and talk to and be like, we think this beer from our catalog would fit well in your, on your shelf or on your tap. Yeah. That's, that's so wild to think about because there's so many options out there. And it's just amazing, you know, that you guys, you know, it just must be pretty difficult, you know what I mean, to be able to, you know, make sure that you guys are on the shelf. It, it is. I mean, in, you know, and in relationships come, you know, ups and downs. And, you know, and somebody's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't get this or, you know, you didn't tell me about that. And so, you know, you got to keep up with them. You know, and it's, it's it's all about that. You know, bend don't break, and and you know, it, it's just it's a constant. I mean, it's it's fun, it's daunting, it's slightly overwhelming, um, but I get to drive around and talk to people about beer. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what I'm doing. I'm talking to people about beer, getting them to buy good beer, so they can feel good about their purchase and what they're selling to their customers. So all I'm trying to do is pass on positive vibes through wonderful flavors that this guy makes. And, you know, we can all just go to bed feeling good about what we put on our bodies at the end of the day. We say that a lot. We think it's important to educate people and know the story behind the beer and behind the product and things like that. Because hopefully that just builds a stronger bond to the product. And even though there are a ton of other, you know, hazy IPAs, let's say, out there, and you're wanting to sell yours too, if there is a person, if there is a story, if there is a relationship behind it, it's a lot stronger, I think. So that's huge. It absolutely is. I mean, I was doing a sampling tonight uh, before the show at uh, Parktown Beverage in Warriorsford. Uh, Hey, Josh, how you doing? And I had guys come by and be like, oh, yeah, funk. This one dude came up and was like, Man, I remember when they first got this in and they only sold it by cases. We would only get like one case in at a time and I bought it. So everybody was mad at me. I was like, all right, dog, you want a sample of something new? I've had it all. And he still walked out with a four pack of Silent Disco. So I mean, I was like, okay, job well done. Yeah, right. Hey, remember those days, man, when you go to the beer distributor and buy a whole case? Like, I'm 21 and I'm just like, well, I gotta buy a case. I'm like, buy a whole. Yeah. Buy a whole case of the trap and make right. that commitment. It was yeah. kind of neat because you get some duds. Yeah. And they would stick around, and then all of a sudden you, you give it a try after a couple months. You're like, oh, it's not a dud. I just didn't develop that taste yet. Yeah. yeah. So. Luckily, I was in South Carolina at like 24. They don't have cases there, so you didn't have to buy cases. So you could buy just like six-packs or mix of sixes or, or whatever. It's weird to say that South Carolina was leading the way in damn near anything but um you, you didn't have to buy a case i mean you could go to the store and you get you know one 20 or you know the the, the big the bombers or the bombers or, yeah. or you know you get a six pack you get a mixed six pack or, or what have you so there was no um there wasn't you didn't have to commit to you know a week of drinking one label yeah, it's kind of crazy how that whole format's changed where you were committing to cases, six-packs were popular, four-pack cans became the thing, and, you know, bomber bottles, whatever, and uh, it's just crazy how things have evolved. 
It's completely different. And that's not that old here. Yeah. Like, no. it's not right. that old that we had to get a case from a distributor. Right. But you can, five could, years at the most? Right, yeah. And, and it, was, it was cool, though. I mean, before it was a lot more, like, externally social. When you had to go to a, uh, you had to go to a beer bar. You had to find a place that had a mm-hmm. lot of places. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yep. And then it was cool then if you find the right places where I was, you know, got a chance to do that. But I, I was inspired by, like, you know, I would, you know, go around, find all the best beer bars and look at their draft list. And go, yeah, right can I make one better than that? And then you get that one draft list that you made, and you're like, oh, man, this is like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> I want to be not working right now, and I want to be sitting down drinking every single one of these yeah, beers. Yeah, right? Is there any place that you guys haven't been in yet that you say, man, I wish I was in I, a beer bar, a distributor someplace? I'm, I'm not actually, like, I don't, I don't think about those things. About I have way. a lot of other things to think about that I can lose sleep about. So... I try not to. I let those guys do what they do. But, Understood. Uh, but it'd be cool. I mean, I'm trying to think. And I'm, and I'm sure, like, I haven't been out in so many years now. Yeah. It's that, but I'm sure we're at a lot of those places that I think I would like to be. I hope so. And, and the funny thing is this area has grown so much in beer production. I don't know if there's still a – there was a question somewhere yeah. about the uh, – Fish the was checking in, yeah. Allentown and Mayos is, is so brewery crowded. How is that atmosphere? Oh, it's great. I mean, we, we, we know all those, all those people, and I've known a lot of those people from before when I worked here so, um, and worked with some of them other places. Sure. I, I wouldn't say it's crowded. I think it's just like, I think it's just like vibrant. I would, I, that's, that's the word I would, I would use. Okay. I would say it's more crowded than it was 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely. But um, not... Yeah. Crowded sounds like it's a bad thing, but it's not really a bad thing. Right. Yeah, but like, I mean, like, Bamberg, Germany, you know, it's a town the size of Bethlehem, and they've been making beer there for, like, how many hundreds of years. They have seven breweries in, the, in that town, and, like, they wouldn't, they probably had that one time, that's probably, like, not as many as there was at one time. Right. So that's a mature, like, it's a, it's a beer culture, you know, and, you know, if you, if any, any half-decent-sized town in Colorado is filled with breweries, and they've been like that for a while, so I like it that... I you mean, know, yeah, I think there's some room for some other people to go different. Yeah, different. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I wouldn't say it's not. I wouldn't say it's like a good risk to take at the moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but if you were committed and you were doing good stuff, like I would love to see someone do, yeah, something different and like you know go through some room. It's kind of interesting. So like I've done a lot of work up and down Route 100, but never as far up as Emmaus. And it was kind of funny. It sounds weird, but I, when, I, when we were driving up here. That, you know, you get out of Chester Springs coming from our neck of the woods and you're going up Route 100 and it's like nothing forever. And then there's like a Wawa and then it's nothing. And then there's a Wawa and then there's nothing. And then you get into Emmaus and it's like civilization again. Yeah. It's kind of neat that there's this like town up here that I never knew existed. But it's like a really we went up to Shangy's and then came back. And it's just like such a cool little town, like yeah, I that I didn't expect. I expected to be like it next door to one of these Wawa's in the middle of Route 100. You know right. what I mean? We just got our first Wawa. Yeah, did you? <laughs> and uh, no, it's a great little town. And like I've lived here for. Uh, I, I grew up here. I went to high school here. And then uh, when my wife and I, when we had our when I had our daughter, we moved back here because it was a great place to raise our child. And like kind of the kind of drove me to like want to get a job here was that I could walk to work or ride my bike to work and 
I live less than a mile away from the brewery and you know my wife she comes my wife actually works at another brewery oh <laughs> so, really yeah so it's a you know and uh, she works at Yergi Brewing in Emmaus and yeah like, we saw yeah. we passed that down the street yeah, yeah I saw so that. She, she's worked there for a couple of years and she's bartended here and she's full time down there nice she does their photography and it's like it's really like open fun like you know like just like like everybody's like everybody loves beer and like and and the fact that like she works at nights bartending on the weekends and so I'm here and she'll bring me lunch and it's a cool little like I just feel really feel like at home in Emmaus. Yeah. It's really cool that I get to do what I love in a town like that in a setting like that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's awesome. That that's really neat that you got you know, you guys are both in the industry like that. And I always hear people talk about how like breweries don't compete like other companies. They right. always end up being so friendly, and even though they're in the same town or they're technically competing, right. breweries don't treat each other. Don't for the most part don't treat each other like competition. Yeah. So I feel like you know when we we, we were open before Yergi, when Yergi opened, people were like, "Oh, you guys scared about the competition down the road." No, it actually like helped us. Yeah. Because people who aren't from the area who might have thought about coming to Funk. Now they see there's another brewery. Like, well, we have to go because we can hit two spots in one, yeah. one shot. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, I mean, a little tiny Emmaus has two breweries and a distillery. Right. right. That's awesome. Yeah. Shout out Triple Sun. Triple Sun. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Elizabethtown, because I don't want to say that I was. I will say it. I was always confused as to why there was a funk in Elizabethtown. All right. So, 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 so John Norman, who is our. Uh, co-founder um he lives in elizabethtown okay well so, uh, there we go so he uh yeah so he had so he had a uh, i don't know the full story but like he had an opportunity to move into that building in the elizabethtown hotel and put in a tasting room there and it, it made a sense for a company and now they have a full they have a full service kitchen they serve our beer and and uh so are they brewing there or do you just um they they have brewed there. They have a small homebrew system, like a one-barrel system. They do like one-offs and stuff. They actually have a. They're actually uh, attached to a distillery there too. So they, um, for the most part, their beer is just the beer we make up here. Um, yeah. If somebody was asking if the water is different between the two, the two locations, and if that plays a factor oh, at all, but if that's a, a small, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Water in Emmaus is, like, pretty unique. It's very hard. It's very, very, uh, it, there's a lot of maintenance that goes into maintaining the equipment with the calcium deposits and all kinds of stuff. Fish uh, also asked, why is Dave so sensitive? Because he's a wonderful person and he has a heart <laughs> of gold. Have you, have, Fish, have you been to Harry's yet? Oh. <laughs> what, what is the what is the Harry? I mean, I know was, what Harry's we'll is. We'll get to but, that in the next segment. Okay. There was some uh, some Coatesville card removing from Captain New Jersey. <laughs> Egg Harbor. <laughs> so, Laura, we were talking about like the evolution of packaging, right? In beers, and uh, Laura chimed in and said the new thing is two pack stouts. Have you seen oh, that? Really? I haven't seen that. Like, like two well, pack. It says two-pack stouts, so I don't know if Instead like people are doing pack, a two-pack. Two-pack. No, I have seen that. I have seen two packs on a shelf instead. Where it's like in a carrier like that, but it you know just two beers, just I two beers. Have, All right, I have let's not do seen it. That. <laughs> and he just keeps releasing music too. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tupac? Yeah. I thought it was Tupac. Oh, sorry. Right. Oh, sorry. I thought I know, it was, that's the pronunciation. Shout out. I, I drank that whole beer. Dude, Shout out 60 songs that changed the 90s. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. We got to hit that before we, uh, that, that, before we log off. He just made a major announcement. I, I heard it. Uh, the thing I've seen with, st- I haven't seen the two-pack stouts, but I've seen the different serving cans, you know, the, right. the little seven-ounce cans, which I personally really think is a good idea when you're getting in those 14, 15% stouts. The little yeah. ones, the first time I saw them was at Shangy's because they, they have, like, this massive crowler growler station, and they have, like, a, a, yeah, I actually like it on that three growler. Three-ounce, seven-ounce, 12-ounce, like, they have, like. They have the little mini kegs, which I thought is awesome. Yeah, those little five-liter ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I've had some nights with those. There was one on tap that was, uh, I didn't take that good of a look, but one of them was $100. It was a toppling Goliath yeah. stout, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, those little mini kegs, they used to be like available in Beck's, Beck's. flavor. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and then you took those hiking. It, it's the uh, the original party ball. Remember the party ball? Oh, yeah. Oh, we actually were, we were talking about, about that like we a couple wanna, episodes we, ago. We, we need to bring that back. I don't know why it went away. A party ball, casual. Yeah, it was like self pressurized. Yeah, yeah, party ball of citrus. Yeah. Maybe like, yeah. You throw it like a pool float and just let it go yeah. in the pool and just go over <laughs> when you need it a little bit. It's awesome. Let's talk about the OGC. This beer is so good. So let's first say, ask, what is the OGC? Let's start there. All right, so this is, so I have all the recipes on my computer, these spreadsheets, and there's a the folder, it's called Old Recipes. And every once in a while, I'll go, oh, there's some beer. And I go there, and we'll kind of, I'll go that, and I'll go, all right, I remember that beer. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll make that beer, but I end up just changing the recipe and doing much stuff. So actually, I never clicked on citrus because I'm like, oh, we make citrus. I know how to brew citrus. That's like, I could tell you, we could, we could go brew it right now. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, I can remember, I, I know exactly yep. how to do that. So I would never click on that. I know, and then one day I'm like, oh, I'm just curious. Clicked on it. I'm like, that's that's not citrus. Yeah, it's so different. Yeah, yeah. It's so different. And uh, so I was just like, well, maybe we should make it. Because I'm like, I remember it. That's like citrus was the first funk beer I ever tasted. So when mm-hmm. I was buyer at, at Liberty Street, uh, Keith Plunkett, who was the sales rep at, uh, at Funk at the time and the marketing guy, he uh, he brought me over growlers right, right, right off, like right when they first first keg first kegging day brought me efflorescence their um, hibiscus saison which I've always go I'm going to make that and I'm like I just never do <laughs> and then uh, got to be careful with hibiscus right yeah, be it was delicious <laughs> though but I remember he gave me those growlers and I had them there and then like I should have been like the nice guy and sampled it out to the customers but I just took those growlers home <laughs> and I remember I got out early I got out at like 10 the yeah. bartending you know and I was like alright and I sat there and I was, Sat in my bed and put a show on TV, a plastic cup, and he opened that growler citrus, and I was like, "This was made in the nice. That was made in that little building I walked by with my daughter walking a stroller. I saw them painting the building, and I'm like, "Wow, there's gonna be a brewery here." And uh, I remember that beer, and I'm like, "Yeah, it didn't taste like anything like that now." Yeah. So I was uh, really interested in like my walk, see if I can make it, and I actually think I nailed it. Like, it's yeah. so good. I really like this, and especially, I don't know, maybe for whatever reason, coming off of Cozy, this beer has got such a nice bitterness to it, and so much citrus. I love it. Yeah. So why did it change from OG citrus to what citrus is today? 
So I think it's like the at that at when 2014, like this was kind of cutting edge. I feel in a lot of ways, it was real kind of like lighter in body, sharper bitterness has that real citrus flavor. But um, I think as things transformed into like juicier and hazier thing, yep, you know, like I mean, and using juice at the time too. Yeah, so like yeah, and there's there's a little bit of grapefruit in here, but like yeah. when we say grapefruit, like like a grapefruit is just so powerful, and I think I don't know the exact reason why like like we decided to keep doing that. I think it was just more like kind of we call it citrus, so it should have like citrus in it. Sure, but. It's the hops that make all that flavor. Yeah. It's just an incidental amount of, like, what we put in there just to, like, you know, keep that, you know, authenticness to it. Yeah. But I think... So we don't have to change the label. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it just evolved with, like, you know, the taste and trying to keep up with trends and trying to, like, you know, get things home. So, like, this, is, like, this beer isn't the one that, like, went crazy. You know what I mean? Like the what it evolved into, and there was there was a period when we were making it, and I was making it, and I was saying I was I was just all new to me. I didn't know. I was just like Scott, just put the grain in the mill, and then get the grain out of the mash tun, and then get in there and clean it. And I was just observing, and I would get up in the tank and dry hop it, but I didn't have any access to the recipes or seeing any of that. Yep. And like, I know every day I'm like. It kind of just changed every month or two mm, where yeah. there was an evolution. Notice a difference, right? And then yeah. once you got to a point where it was like, oh, we got it. Yeah. Yeah, it just was like so different than this. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So is this out now? Is this going to be released? What's, what's so the story it, on it, this? So it's available in the tasting room now. And we just sent out a couple pallets of cans to Shangies. So it's going to be available at Shangies. Um, and it's also going to be available to any retailer that is smart enough to buy it from Shaggy's. Yeah. And with David will be taking it. should be available today. Today's Friday. So it should be available like midweek yes. next week. Yeah. Nice. But if you're listening through a podcast, it's Monday. Yeah. Right. So it'll <laughs> be the future. So it'll be available. In the future. Two days. Yeah. In the future. <laughs> so uh, somebody else also checked in and said, what is the future like for Funk in terms of exploring new challenges of beer that they really want to explore um we really like to like i mean it's it's a long-term goal and uh we have some expansion in mind uh, that's gonna hopefully be happening really soon like where we're gonna have a uh a separate tasting room from okay. here in emmaus uh, i can't give you any more details than that okay nice uh, and then that will once that happens we're gonna have the ability to put more tanks in here yeah and maybe do some uh, uh some stuff that the name of the company is Funk Brewing, and we don't do really any. We do we, we dabble in some sours, yeah. But we want to start doing some barrel aging sours, oh, funky yeah. beers. And that's something like we really want to like take our time with and start really small and really slow. Yeah. But hopefully that will happen in, in the next year. Yeah. So. And you want to have a separate brewing area because your funk will spread to all your other tanks. We are the cleanest brewers ever. We are like everybody we are, is until they. We are like ninjas. <laughs> we are ninjas, but yeah, we 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 wouldn't do that unless we had dedicated, yeah. dedicated area to keep that there. And and like I said, that's why we we're going to start extremely small. Yeah, we have some equipment that we actually like. We we just kind of found around here that we're like we're not using this. We could totally, we could totally contaminate it. So, shout out to Craig. He's been. Uh, Yo, what up, Craig? He's been chiming in. What brewery would Funk? Do a dream collab with. 
Oh, yeah, that's easy. Shankarla and Bamberg, Smoke Beer, Ralph Beer. That would be like the absolute, like my absolute, absolute, like, I, I, if I could go to Germany, and yeah. I like, I go through phases where I practice German. Just, just so, in case, just in case, I yeah. won't. Make, I, I don't I speak it fluently. Just I just won't make Eek an ass. Just, just won't make an ass out of myself. Yeah, right. In front of the, the and and to see like they, they smoke all their own malt. They malt their own, and then they, mm. I go there, and then just to like, I don't know, just to, to to brew in a brewery that's five hundred years old. It'd be crazy, right? Yeah. I don't know that I've found a smoked beer that I like. Yeah, I, I haven't found I don't a smoked beer I haven't liked. So yeah, so, really? Yeah, it's one of the. Just yeah. one of those styles that, for whatever reason, I just I gotta find, I don't know I gotta find one that's. I'm very good. sensitive to it. It yeah. just it can overpower me very quickly. Interesting. I like drinking them in small batches, but then I use them to make chili. Did somebody bring up cryo hops? Because somebody just asked if uh, Laura asked if uh, are cryo hops a new thing. Cryo hops have been around for a while. Uh, we use cryo hops. We use a lot of cryo hops. Okay. Um, especially um, when we're uh, making big double IPAs. Um, yeah. If we don't use cryo hops um, in the kettle, and we don't use cryo hops in dry hop, it's not always the whole dry hop bill or kettle whirlpool edition. Um, just the amount of uh, hop matter that would be in the kettle or in the dry hop when you do that, like not only you get like a more intense, like juicy flavor from it. You get less plant matter, and the less plant matter mm. has less uh, polyphenols, which would be like less just harsh bitterness or harsh greenness in the back of your throat. And it's just like if you're just putting all like just straight hot pellets in there, like you'll lose two barrels in the kettle, and then you'll lose another three barrels in the fermenter just from absorption. Oh, wow. So that you know, thirty barrel batch all of a sudden turns into. We had one time we thought we were cool, and we we're gonna push the edge. Yeah. 30 barrel batch turned into 18 barrels of yield. Oh crap. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and and to me that beer like sucked. Yeah. It just tasted like just tasted like ass. Yeah, it just like tasted it's like, too much. It just it was just like I'm just it's like go chew on that hot pellet. It's the worst worst thing you'll ever do and then they, it's in a glass. You said yeah. it tastes like ass. I was going to say it probably tasted like grass. Grass, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like we had a hard time coming up with a name for that beer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how the beers that I brew taste like. Who's the who's the beer namer? Who who gives you the most names? Because we got you got Cookie Monster. I, sh- I shouldn't say name. I should also say label. Because you guys got a lot of hidden shtick in your labels. I'll say. Yeah. So we so we've been around for you know been a while. Keith Plunkett. He was here for the first like six or seven years of the company. He, he did most of that stuff. Uh, we have a guy right now, Mark Sheets. Um, he was from Elizabethtown, and uh, he's taking care of all that. I try not to get involved in the names for that because I'm a sensitive guy, and I have really good ideas in my mind, but no one else seems to think they're cool <laughs> ideas. And so you That's stop, worst, right? you stop, stop putting yourself out there. Right. Well, I put myself out there in a lot of other ways, and like, I'm just like, well, maybe I should just let other people have a shot at it. But uh, I remember my fa- my favorite, like, I, that's not my favorite beer name, but I had this beer name. We had this beer, and I, I called it Choo Choo. And, and, like, because of the train, the train goes by here. And there is a train track right there. And it's also a pun, because TTB would never let you name a beer Chugga Chugga. So it's a pun, you know? So it's Choo Choo. So what are you going to Chugga Chugga. Yeah, so what are you going to do tonight? You're going to Chugga Chugga Choo Choo. And... <laughs> 
we we put it on draft, and I was the happiest guy in the yeah. world. Yeah, you guys, people are like, hey man, Scott, what am I drinking tonight? I'm like, a choo choo. People are like, this is awesome. And then everybody else is like, I can't sell a beer named Choo Choo. That's just wrong. <laughs> you could even put it on the can as like two blanks. Yeah. And then Choo Choo. Right. I, I was not on the sales team at the time, or we would have sold the shit out of that. Yeah. All right. So we're making Choo Choo now. You hear that, Norm? So was Choo Choo. So was Dave in the, involved with the Royal Rumble? So it really has to be way before my time. So so we so we yeah. so we got the, the, the Choo Choo thing too. We got this onomatopoeia kick. So we were like naming beers, like just mumble, and like, and then we had like murmur and babble, and we got this like just like just, you know, I don't know, like, and, and then choo choo was like one of those things, and then we made a beer called Rumble, which was a Schwarz beer, and then we were like drinking the Schwarz beer named Rumble, and so we were like. Let's make a bigger one and call it Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good idea because it's a great beer. Is bike, out now? Is bikes after the Tom Segura skit? It absolutely okay. is. Yeah. I figured it was, but it, bikes. Yes. When we first did that, like everybody, like, every soon as, as soon as anyone walked in the brewery, when we first said, like everybody, like, bikes. You got it. That <laughs> <laughs> lasted for like three or four weeks. <laughs> And then you're like, shut up. We know. That's <laughs> yeah, not funny anymore. Did you ever actually watch the episode that he's referring to in the skit? <laughs> so somebody found it on YouTube. Um, it's not that interesting. Like the guy says, like, bikes. Like that's his inflection. <laughs> but that just goes to the brilliance of a comedian like Segura to be able to make an entire bit out of this one word that sounded just a little bit off. Dude, this is completely off topic, but, um, you know, recently I've been telling you that I've been watching Curb. I was, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then I noticed that Seinfeld's on Netflix. And I remember a handful of episodes from when I was younger, but I just started season one, episode one, and got into it. And he's got all of these clips of him doing stand-up, you know, at the beginning and end of the show. And it's crazy to me that somebody could come up with that much content. Because when I watch a Netflix special, I think, like, this guy probably spent two or three years hammering, you know, just really working on the timing and the wording and everything on, on these bits and, you know, on his, on his set. And to see somebody like Seinfeld just kill with a completely different topic over and over and over again every episode, well, which when, is crazy to me. When you talk about nothing, it's easy to do. I guess, right? But, but yeah, it's, it's... There's a great, like, George Carlin quote that talks about working on that. Like, George Carlin would say, like, like, how do you come up with a new HBO special every year? And he's like, okay, so it's like an hour long. And it's like, you know, it takes me, you know, so there's 52 weeks in a year. So you just write a minute a week. You know? And, <laughs> wow. and, and you break it. Sounds so simple, yeah. right? And you break it down. And you just have to wake up and just do it. Yeah, and like yeah, so it's 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 so crazy. Like he, like he has like the like a crazy bit about like, um, like a voicemail machine. Like what, what we used to call those things. I don't even know what it's called. I just have voicemail. Answering machine. An answering, machine? An answering machine. Yeah, it's like that, that's Voice another thing that's hilarious. Machine. I know, right? That's that, the name of the next beer, man. Yeah, <laughs> voicemail <laughs> machine. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just crazy that he would have a bit about that for like two minutes at the beginning of a show. And it'd be hilarious. 
which he is had, completely mind blowing. But he, he had he had like an infamous like work regimen too. Like really, he he, he was like he's like I wouldn't. I'm just paraphrasing. I'm going to talk like Jerry Seinfeld. I'm not going to be the funniest guy. I'm going to be the hardest working guy. And I'm yeah. just not going to stop. It's the other thing is to don't break the chain. Is that like mm. every single day, no matter how shitty he felt or how depressed he felt or how down he felt, no matter what happened, he's like, he had to do something. So his had, job, right, yeah. He had to do his job. So there was never a day he didn't do his job. That's wild. Yeah. And then the, the comedians in cars getting coffee? It's a great show. That's gold. Yeah. It's so good. It's yeah. so entertaining, regardless of the guest. It's really good. I don't know. I'm on like a Seinfeld kick, I guess, right now. I don't want to interrupt. That might have been the best curling shot I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. So if anybody wants to know or understand what's going on, it's a little distracting. There's Why we all a keep looking to the right? giant, beautiful screen up here with uh, Beijing 2022 Olympics. And it's, uh, what is that? Sweden versus Swiss. Switzerland. And that might have been the worst shot I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Thing, Followed it up. She just choked. It looked like it was about to come into the brewery. That went so far past the goal or whatever it's called. I don't even know. I don't the, know house. The, terminology. the house. The house. Come on, John. Yeah, Get your curling knowledge. John, what are you drinking control? right now? I am drinking Cookie Monster. I love this label. I love that it reminds me of uh, Cookie Monster. a character yeah. from a show on yep. TV. Oh, we're looking forward to the C&D from that, too. <laughs> that was my I was going to ask. I already have a list of names that we're going to change the name to. How have you not gotten a C&D? That's the question. Uh, Langhorn's far away. So, you know, well, it's not that far away. <laughs> <laughs> After this podcast, we'll probably get yeah. Oh, yeah, because they, they're listening. <laughs> well, we got one from... Uh, that, that, we got one from the NFL. Yeah. Well, congrats. Yeah, yeah, so that they... Yeah, it's like people are listening, so... Not not as quick as my former employer with the Joel M. Mead. <laughs> one, one weekend. Did Dave ever tell you that story? Well, I've seen the label. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, yeah. how did they get away with that? Like, yeah, we they did didn't. not. Yeah, we heard, but it was the, uh, again, for Colony Meadery, Joel M. Mead, uh, it was the second most click-through story on NBC Philly Sports for the entire weekend. We sold the shit out of it with posters and everything. And we got a very nice cordial letter from Joella's Joel's people uh, Monday morning. Like, what this is? We're like, no more what this is. No more what this is. No more what this is, sir. We will make a donation to Joel's favorite uh, charity. Uh, what else would you like us to do? And luckily, we were small enough that they just like shook our finger, shook their finger at us, and we were like, okay, sorry. I never got my residuals from that idea, by the way. I have a four pack for you. Nice. I still have a can, actually. I have a can hiding. Yeah, so tell us about Cookie Monster. What is this, and what's going on with it? All right, so Cookie Monster is a, a beer that was born as a collaboration with Batch Micro Creamery. Uh, they have multiple locations, but we're at the, the Farmer's Market in Allentown, downtown Allentown, um, where they do, they do like five, they, they make ice cream five gallons at a time. So it's like each, okay, nice. each, you know, so a batch of vanilla is five gallons at a time, no matter what they do. So they have a, they have a flavor called Cookie Monster, which is a cookies and cream, with cookie dough in it. Okay. And uh, we, we went down there. We They put up flights of ice cream, and I just started going to town on it. And like, oh, no, no, oh, no. which one do I want to make? And I was like, ah. And then I came upon it. I'm like, well, Cookie Monster has a great name. Mm-hmm. Two, it's the most delicious ice cream I've ever tasted. Cookies and, cream, <laughs> cookies and cream is like my jam. Yeah. And... Uh, and even though I am lactose intolerant, I still get down with a bowl here and there. <laughs> so when we did this, I was like, we, we, the first idea is like, okay, I'll do this, but we're not going to put lactose in it. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a couple reasons for that is that one, I'm lactose intolerant and I want yep. to drink every single thing I do. Yeah. When I say I'm lactose intolerant, like I, it doesn't mean I don't eat cheese and eat ice sure. cream all the time. It's just that I got to pay for it or yep. prepare for it with like, you know, um, <laughs> but I don't want to be surprised that when I'm drinking beer. Yeah. And I have plenty of friends who are vegan and yeah. I, I would really like them to, I, I just feel, I just feel, feel like beer should just be kind of like, not like a mission statement to be like, hey, we shouldn't have things like that in there, but right. it should be like blasted that it is. So, so my challenge myself was like, all right, I'm going to make this beer that tastes like cookie crisp, like cereal or something, and it doesn't yeah. have any lactose in it. Yeah, and uh, I went in town, man, and I, yeah, and I, uh, I use, I, I, I just, I, I use, I found some like really awesome malt from Oregon, a place called Mecca Grade. Okay. Malt. It's a single source like uh, malt house. Uh, I don't know all the details. From my guys, it's about a two acre farm, and they oh, wow. they grow all their own barley and malt all their own barley on premise. And uh, they have a couple. They have a, the Opal line. It's called, and these these crystal malts that, that uh, have like I put chocolate and I put vanilla in here and I put some vanilla flavoring. And I put some chocolate flavoring because cookies and cream ice cream isn't the most. Totally natural, but all sure. the flavors are natural. So, yep. um, but a lot of these flavors come from those malts. Nice. Yeah, and it, I, it's a dumb question, maybe, but like, what, like, what's the difference between like a golden stout and I mean, I guess it's like roasted malts, right? But I mean, like, right? What's, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it was just like I wanted to have like the flavors that you associate with the stout, with the creaminess, and also like the the chocolate without the roast, without the bitterness. Yeah. And um, just, you know, you're just so, reducing some bitterness right. by keeping it golden yeah. instead of going with the roasted, roasted stuff. Roasted stuff, yeah. Where it just over- makes it a bit more creamy. Right. And it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't overpower because, like, yeah. the, the little bit of roasted malt goes a long way. And sure. You can try to, like, just put a little bit in there. And, and you got a dark beer. Right. Like, immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Golden stouts freak me out a little bit. Yeah. It just, I can't, my brain can't process the look. And taste. Yeah, it's kind of like time. my brother. He's like snakes aren't white. So they just don't have legs. They shouldn't, yeah. Yeah. They shouldn't yeah. be able to move like fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they can come up yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. like it freaks yeah. me out. It's oh, funny that's that you funny. said cookie crisp cereal because as soon as you said that, I was like, holy fuck, that's what it tastes like. Yeah. And it really, it's cookie crisp cereal. Yeah, there's lots of oats in there, and yeah, it's just like I was just trying to make. I was like, I make cookies at home. I'm just trying to make some cookies. So yeah, yeah. So we were. That's good. I like that a lot. It's got a really good body to it, and you're getting all that vanilla and chocolate. It, it tastes like a treat. Mm-hmm. It's but really it, good. But it's never, never, I mean, it's all natural. It's all yeah. either the, the real thing or like a natural a natural flavoring, and it's more leans to the, to the, the real stuff than, the, than any flavoring. So yeah. They're just there to make it like pop that you know for real that it's vanilla and chocolate. Yeah, that's awesome. It's delicious. You guys got, you were telling me about a really cool event that I feel like you guys have coming up. Let me, uh, you got some sort of private tasting coming up. Let us know I do, what we got. Yeah. So on the 12th of February, uh, which is next Saturday, um, we're, I'm, I will be hosting a, a, a small tour of the brewery. Um, there's tickets available on Eventbrite. Uh, I believe it is called the Double Citrus Pre-Release production tour and tasting or something weird that I can't remember what I named it but uh, what's going to happen is that I'm going to I'm going to have some all the ingredients available for everyone to 
uh, smell or taste of like how we make double citrus. I'll explain how we make double citrus, which is our you know our biggest like double IPA release of the year. Uh, we're making 150 barrels of it in house on a 15 barrel brew system, so that's 10 brew days in a row of double citrus. Ooh, so cow. every single tank of our fermentation capacity is being filled with it. As we speak, we're halfway done, and uh, we'll finish it up next week. And uh, I'm gonna be giving out samples. Uh, we have uh, 20 tickets available. I've sold four already. Uh, I'll be giving out samples out of the tank. I will be tasting double citrus right at the tail end of fermentation before I put any dry hops on it. And then we're gonna taste one right after I put the first dry hop on it. And we're gonna taste one that's gonna be just done, but it hasn't been uh, crashed yet, which hasn't been chilled yet. So it's still real green. It's got all those hot particles in it. It's gonna burn the hell out of your throat. <laughs> and uh, to kind of see like what, like why we want to like, you know, not have beer taste like that. And then finally, we'll, we're gonna have some beer in the bright tank that's settled out and carbonated that I'll be uh, pouring samples out of too, which is gonna be kegged on Monday. And then that tank's gonna be refilled and then we're gonna be canning on Wednesday and Friday. And then afterwards, uh, um, it's for $20, includes all that. And then you also will get a pint of your choice of what we have on tap right now. I'll do a little Q&A session. It's going to start at 10.30 a.m. Um, and we open at noon, so it's pretty much kind of just roll into us opening so you can hang yeah. out at the brewery before we're open. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's such a neat idea. I love the idea of that, to like really get a good idea of the brewing process. Because, I mean, you, you're going to make, like, a lifelong fan of that beer with a, that's, you know, yeah, anybody that's yeah, and, 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 you know, just obviously, like, I want people to buy my beer and do it. But, yeah. like, I want to make a connection with some people who really want to yeah. know about that stuff. So, yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I think that's going to be so much fun. And I, I think it's going to be really cool to try the different beers throughout the process. That's so neat. It's that's, crazy how it changes. Like, we were, I'm sure. Yeah, we're just, we, have, we, haven't, we haven't put any dry hops in any of them yet. Uh, we're about to on Monday, and uh, I just just tasted I just tasted the the one that's just like it just tastes like straight juice, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Just the, oh. yeah. And then I'm like, I'm almost like, I'm like kind of don't. I'm like, I, I know I have to dry hop it. And I know I have to make it double citrus, but I'm like, I kind of just like it yeah. as it is right now. And hopefully, some people can taste that and understand that, like maybe there's like a maybe a no, it's called a newer style or some kind of other like way we can like yeah know, get people to because you know, we're working really hard on like making some unique fermentations and we've gotten really good results using like you know stuff that we know people use to make like those kind of juicy IPAs and you know and and those double IPAs and we've been making double citrus for a long time and like it's kind of evolved a tiny bit into the hazy juicy thing yeah but it, it, when the first two batches first two years it came out it wasn't it, that wasn't a thing yet sure so, but at the same time we were kind of like I didn't make those batches but I drank both of them I canned the one there was you know that was there the methods that were doing it were there that it was like kind of evolving it towards that its own so um, we get we had a couple batches where we got a little hate about people because everybody thinks we changed the recipe because it didn't taste like it didn't do before. Right. And a lot of times it's just not like, we didn't know what we were doing some of the time. Sure. So, like, we, we're, we're, we're dialed in right now and we really have, like, a really good, like, open dialogue among the production team and, like, we're, like, 
we're, we're like, you know, we're doing sensory reevaluations at every, every turn and like we're really happy where we're getting with our fermentation, especially on like our managing cell counts and making sure every tank has the same like same it finishes at the same gravity yeah. and like has the same it has the same fermentation profile and we have like you know and we're 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 really like we're dialing in and like making our own unique fermentation profile that's not anything out of the, out of out of out of this world but sure. it's, it's, I think it's like we're just really happy with that I've heard some people say when they're brewing big batches of beers that they they're trying to keep consistent that they blend fermenters. Yeah. Do you not, do that? We don't have the capacity to do that Okay. Yet, but part of our expansion plan is that we're going to be able nice. to do that yeah. soon. Yeah. That's interesting. It's just yeah. something that, yeah. you know, I can't wait. popped into my head. I cannot wait. Yeah. yeah. It would be it, sweet. Because, yeah, like, no matter how hard I try, every single one of those tanks tastes different. Yeah. And I hope, like, that's why I want to, like, you know, bring people in that can get it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it, there, there's an art There'll going on there. A ton of, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about or plug before we get into the the end of the show? I just go ahead and ask for us. I mean, if, if we're not on tap, ask. Yeah. And uh, ask the bartender, or you can shoot me an email, Dave at funkbrewing.com. Um, you know, let me know where you guys think we need to be. Um, you know, like I said, I got five counties, so I'll cover it all. It doesn't matter what shelf, what tap. Um, you know, and if, and if you're one of those industry people that are in there and you watch this and you want to do an event, let's do that too. We'll, we'll, we'll come with all the bells on and, and a whole bunch. We got to. I might even show up if, you, if you're lucky. Yeah, we got some, we got some cool toys. Um, one of our beers is named Silent Disco. And uh, so if you got the right spot, we can do something fun. Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, we got some plans uh, in the mix for that um, specific event, uh, and that'll be brought to light uh, hopefully in a couple weeks. So uh, it's going to be really cool. But no, we just we want to get it out there to as many people as we can, and you know, he said we're just making some good beer and want to get it to as many people as we can. Mr. Steve, do we have uh, breaking news? I'm not sure. I haven't been able to confirm it. I'm trying to find. I think there's a sounder for breaking news. And I don't know who that is that typed that either. Grab it. No. Nate Hoff reporting from our comment section that Russell Wilson has retired. Who is Nate Hoff? I don't, I, that's why I said I don't <laughs> so know. Friend, my friend? I don't know Nate Hall. Well, okay. Well, thank you, Nate Hall, because I really hope so, because... I, he's such a beautiful man. He shouldn't I, risk his body out there among those gladiators. I don't want him in film. Well, now this might be a this might be the way they get him. You also without. did want Tebow in Philly, though, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not good on your quarterback had, opinion. So we we had him, and he wasn't ever the starter. He was just a good community minded man, he's, he's spiritual spiritual lender. <laughs> spiritual advisor for I will pull out the receipts he, you were so high on Tebow and me and Anthony were killing you <laughs> he's a winner you just he, he is swinging he, back he is a winner though he he's was a, a winner and he's yeah. a, he's a winner now in the in the studio where he sits how do you feel about Brady retiring bye hey he, man like I think he's done I I he, I hope so because like I 
you know, I mean, like, obviously I'm an Eagles fan. Right. And, you know, it's so easy to hate Tom Brady. Yeah. But, man, the last couple of years watching him play, I was just like, How that does he dude is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, He was the greatest. I, I, yeah. I agree. You can say He's what you goat. want. He was still the growth. Right. But I can't help but have the idea that, you know, Jordan retired and came back, and maybe he wants to do that better and mm-hmm. out-retire him. So maybe he's going to retire, come yeah, back, retire, he and come back. He and then he'll like, be the greatest retirer of all time as well. That would mean he has some gambling debts that he's hiding <laughs> maybe, in yeah. the NBA, the NFL strategy. Yeah, is, is, is Brady going to come play basketball for a season? Uh, like, maybe oh, in the minor yeah. leagues? Baseball, curling, maybe. Something? Curling, yeah. maybe. Curling. <laughs> if he's going to do the MJ thing, he's got to play another sport yeah. while he's off. But I think, Good call. Because at the same time, watching Brady, you're always going... There's going to be a, because he's 44, and you're like, there's going to be a game where all of a sudden it just doesn't work anymore. And that didn't happen. And didn't happen. And I, I, think he, I think he's, I don't think he ever wants, I think he knows yeah. that, that it could happen. No, and, and him going out on his last win against Philly, I'm not going to say he didn't think about it, but I'm, I'm sure he thought that was like, all right, I did beat him. It wasn't in the game that counted. Yeah, but he beat him back in 2005 yeah, and well, all those other times. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> but, Fish said he didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but he's still retiring on top. Look at his stats this year. Yeah, he led the league in passing and he, passing touchdowns. Yeah, he could be the MVP this year. He's right. Yeah, he will be. He will yeah. be. If he, he's retiring, he will be the MVP. They are going to... The NFL will thank him for all of the views and all the dollars they made, and they will make him MVP one more time. I don't know if that's already voted on or not. I think it's voted before the playoffs. I, I think it is. I yeah. think so. It doesn't matter. I mean, here's Rodgers. It doesn't matter yeah. what you think. Right. So all right, so there's one more thing I actually want to talk about real quick if we're still going yeah. here. Uh, some beer releases. We're actually canning this week, too. So I have a fresh back of casual because we have only like two or three cases left. Nice. So we're gonna have uh, like a, a, a small beer. a small run of uh, casual, probably putting out 150 cases of that, and maybe uh, it, 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 that beer. We're trying to make that a core beer that's available everywhere, and we just can't make enough of it. And it takes a little longer because it's a lager, yeah. and it's, every time I feel like okay, I have enough, we're gonna send it out. By the time we like you know give some kegs out and we put it on tap and we get the beer, we don't have enough to send out. So good problem to have. And then we also have a beer called the Apple Twitch. After the uh, Pennsylvania Cryptid, the little Bigfoot that throws apples at you. There are no apples contained in this beer, but it is a farmhouse IPA. <laughs> wait, wait, what? The Apple Twitch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't know what the Apple Twitch is. The Apple Twitch is a... Stop uh, looking at me like I should. You didn't so. react, so I didn't <laughs> react. Uh, I was like, like uh, everybody is, else knows what it is. is, is, is I a, don't. It's a little uh, cryptozoology creature in Lancaster County that... Uh, Will terrorize you on your picnics and steal your apples, eat them, and throw cores back at you. Huh. And he's skinny and hairy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and, uh, I hate it when that happens. So we uh, we actually collaborated with uh, Mark Sheets, who is our marketing guy. He has a he has a uh, a podcast of his own called Paranormal Punchers, where they talk about all kinds of crypt- cryptozoology and any kind of paranormal stuff. And it's nice. real fun stuff. And I was actually on their show last night talking about the Alba Twitch, and I learned a lot. Oh, nice. Which is just goofy stories about, you know, just like, it was pretty fun, but we, yeah. hopefully it'll be a series. So we're going to have a farmhouse IPA, uh, Whirlpool hopped and dry hop with the Idaho 7, and uh, we're going to be canning that on uh, on Wednesday, and that's pretty much going to be like an in-house only can release. It's like 100 cases we're doing. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you have to come to Emmaus or Elizabethtown to get it, and... 
besides that, I think it's all nice. Else. You got a, a Kolsch coming up? I do. I, I just got some. Uh, I got some Barber Rouge hops from France. Ooh. They, like, I don't know if anybody's heard about these, but they supposedly taste like all kinds of different red berries and currants and raspberries. And I am getting some uh, Weirman Cologne malt to make kind of this like French German nice. Alsace region like Cologne. This like Kolsch. You know, just French. yeah. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. So it's gonna be a single small single malt single hop. Uh, with uh, all Barbaroo shops. Nice. Yeah. Um, we talked about it before, but uh, bikes! Uh, the Ooh. Peach Bikes. Peach Bikes. bikes. Are peach out. Bikes. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, Peach Bikes coming out. So, peach is, uh, so what Bikes is our Shandy series. Uh, we have the base one, which is Lemon Bikes. Um, we do Raspberry Bikes, and we also do Cranberry Bikes. Cranberry. And, it, and it was Sleds. It was called now Sleds at the time. Bikes. It's yeah. going to be Cranberry Bikes. And we do Peach Bikes as their spring release, and we are working on that's going to be available in 12 ounce cans. There's a new, yeah, we're going to do 16 ounce pack of uh, six packs and 12 packs of that. That'll be available in retailers. That sounds awesome. And, and Bikes is the Rattler, right? It's a, a Shandy. Shandy. Right, Rattler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, so it's a, a sweeter. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's nice fruit. light. Yeah, it's back, you know, back sweetened. Oh, the Royal Rumble. Going Royal Rumble. We gotta have some beer for our toast. I noticed we were empty. Yeah, we so had we a, gotta, it's a good toast. We had, we had a, a great call. release for this. Um, mm. I don't know if I can send you the link, but uh, our our fearless leader, uh, John Norman, put out a little. He put it on TikTok, so you know, follow us on that. But uh, he's a big wrestling fan, which is why I feel at home here. As well, but uh, he did a nice little stone cold entrance. Uh, <laughs> oh, I saw that video. post, it was amazing. Yeah. I saw those shorts right so bar. I'm like, hey man, what are those? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, those are the shorts I wear. I'm like, I don't think you should put those on. I could, I could tell his religion in those shorts. <laughs> he nailed I, that. I, I, th- I, th- I threw those beers at him. That second one, I was kind of pissed at my throat. The first one was a nice, oh, it was, late, it was late. solid. Yeah, it was solid. Yeah, yeah, if you can grab that and post it up, that's. It's a good time. <laughs> My daughter loves it. She's obsessed. <laughs> she's like, how do you do it so good like that? Yeah. I'm like, she's like, how many takes did it take? And I'm like, just one. She's one. Like, really? Yeah. Whoa. I didn't expect that. Yeah. I thought he was changing his shirt every other take. <laughs> you ready to get into the toast? Let's do it. Mikey Brews presents the toast of the week. Oh, my God. Dude. Uh, I'll go first. It's nice and easy for me. Um, my wife's grandfather passed away this week. He was battling COVID for a month and a half, but uh, he's just a great guy. Ever since I started dating my wife, he was always incredibly welcoming. Um, we always did um, Christmas Eves at their house and stuff like that every year. Fantastic guy, so he's definitely missed. So that's my uh, my toast of the week to, to Grandpa Al. Toast to him. Sorry to be a downer right off the bat, oh, but cheers to him. Grandpa Al. I like this beer. It's nice and roasty. Oh, yeah. You know where I got to go. I got to go Olympics. I love the Olympics. Anytime I can watch these sports and pretend that I'm an expert every four years and not have to watch them (laughs) anytime in between them, I just watch the, uh, the Swiss retire. They just gave up at the end of that match. So Swiss. Because they were down 5-1 in the seventh. <laughs> and they just gave up. Little and league. They, little league. They pounded fist and they were done. It's, I love the Olympics. They're great. 
here's to all our Olympics, all our niche sports that, that nobody cares about and nobody will care about again in another week and a half. <laughs> You guys got anything? Skip. 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 All right. So right before I came here, I'm not proud of it, but I was playing Smash Brothers online with my friends, and I just kicked ass. So I'd like to throw Like on some- Nintendo? Like a Switch? Yeah. Okay, nice. And uh, I'm not the best player on that, so I have sure. a good night. Like, I feel really good about it, but I was like, I was dominant tonight. Nice. <laughs> so I'm going to throw some shade at Diggs, nice. Iggs, and Lucent, and just be like, dude, suck at King K. Rule. Owned you. Owned you. <laughs> Penoned. Penoned. Yeah. Penoned. Here's to your Smash Brothers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I love some random video game smack talk. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. One more thing. I, we gotta we gotta come up with a segment for this, Mr. Steve. I don't know what to call it, but there's stuff that lives in my head rent free, and I think about it way too much. I watched a, a. I guess you can call it a true crime documentary that happened in 2004 that I had never heard of, and it's one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen. This guy in Colorado got really upset with his town because they were making him hook up to the sewer and the water for his building where he had a muffler shop. Okay. And they just kept going after him and fining him for not hooking up, and he got really pissed. He sold his land, but he kept a little garage there. He built... He bought a, like a giant bulldozer, and he was a welder, and he welded armor all around it, and he <laughs> climbed in it one day, and then he went and demolished the town for an entire day. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. And they had every fucking uh, like police department out there shooting at him, and they couldn't do anything. Like He thought it out so far ahead. So he made a tank. He made a he tank. Made a tank. Like a crazy tank. Like he, he, he was welding steel with like a two or three inch gap and filling it with concrete and then putting that up like and built a complete encasing. Like he actually like welded himself in. Like people were climbing on it as he was driving it, trying to get in it and couldn't find a way in. Did they play the slow eighteen team building music as they showed him building? <laughs> I don't think they had any actual video of him building it. Maybe it was a recreation, but it's called Tread. It's called Tread. It's on Netflix. I mean, I pretty much gave away the entire story, but it's just the wildest shit that I'm like, what? Why, is, why have I not heard of this? Like, he really, like, went against, like, he went after all of the people that he felt did him wrong, and he ran his I bulldozer. I don't believe in your modern yeah. plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he went and ran into everybody's building, like, the, like the people's mom's house. He, like, demolished her house. Like the newspaper, he was like, "I shouldn't be laughing at that." But it's yeah, really I know, funny. I know. He's like, "They, they it's told me 2004. You can laugh at that. <laughs> oh, 2004. Okay. They're like, they, they told me they were gonna, uh, they were gonna write a, a nice article about me and my business, and they never did. So I demolished the newspaper, the newspaper <laughs> building. Like, you know, there's a concrete building next door that he's mad at for how much dust they put up. So he <laughs> demolishes their building. Wow. It was just absolutely crazy, and he went through the entire thing completely untouched. Nobody could do anything, but he got stuck. True, a true American warrior. <laughs> he said. He, he said in his. He made a recording before he did it. He's like, "I'm a true American patriot. I just want you to know that." <laughs> it sounds good until it. the like. You got to think like, how am I going to end this? Yeah. Like, what's what's my end? Am I just going to climb out of this tank and go home? 
No, they're gonna fucking shoot you, you yeah. dumbass. Yeah, no, he he knew that was the last stand, I think. But yeah, you know, I'll, I'll leave the ending for you to watch. But man, it was it was fucking crazy, and and it sh- I've just been thinking about it like every day since I watched it, like the past three or four days. It's really weird. I just that can't get it out of my weird. head. I know. I, when I drive the four truck, sometimes I'm like, it'd be really fun to go flip someone's car with this. Just yeah, pile through. Yeah, it'd be nuts. Dave, you you passed on your toast. Did you have one? You just wanted to close it out. Um, I, I couldn't really think of one. Um, but uh, it's not mandatory. Nah. We're not going to kick you off. Yeah, the it's podcast. okay if you don't. I'm I mean, good. we are in about five minutes because yeah, right? it's going to be the end of the podcast. I will. Uh, well, I mean, uh, you talked about the burnt toads, so I, you know, it's fun. so one of the cool things I get to do now is, is, as I said, drive around and sell beer. So I get to go back to Chester County, uh, Coatesville, the other day. Your hometown. My hometown. And uh, I got to go to Harry's, uh, which every Coatesville you knows Harry's. Yeah, every 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 person that went to Coatesville any amount of time knows Harry's. It's actually in Sadsburyville, just uh, a little bit a little bit uh, east on thirty. West, but who's counting? <laughs> if you're anyway, and um. It's definitely West. If you're looking at a compass upside <laughs> down. Coatesville. Just let him tell his story. I don't know anyway, about Coatesville. So it's, I don't uh, care. Yeah. So it's a nice little spot, and I stopped and had hot dogs and tried to sell some <laughs> beer. And so I posted it because uh, as to, you know, what's Mr. Steve cooking and, and uh, Instagram and, and all sorts of other fun food stuff that we get to post. And one of our dear friends... Uh, fish was like i've never been there so the the burnt toast i I suppose goes to why did you never go to harry's and why are you telling us that you never went to harry's because some things you should just keep to yourself um but cheers to fish love it brother fish is officially burnt toast cheers burnt toast i got a little sip for left for fish you gotta save just a little yeah, I think we got some uh, some porn bots, Russian porn bots in the uh, the chat. Finally, finally, man, I've made it. I made it. All these years now. Are they reporting that Russell Wilson is retired? I think they were the ones. Yeah, they're just trying to get us so that they can trick us into going to war. Russell Wilson retired. Please click on this <laughs> <Yeah>. link. <laughs> exactly. Give us your bank account number. Yeah. <laughs> you ready to end it? Uh, yeah, but I just got to do this first. Yeah. Oh, man. That wasn't very loud, is it? Guys, listen. If you took the time to listen, to watch, we really appreciate you. Scott, Dave, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This was so much fun. I really appreciate you guys setting all this up. It was a blast. Um, The beers are fantastic. Guys, make sure you follow Funk Brewing on social media. Um, Keep an eye out for these events. That, That... Double citrus event sounds like so much fun. I'm hoping that there's so much other cool stuff going on. 20 bucks. I mean, come on. But guys, make sure uh, you're following them online. And thank you so much for listening, for watching. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you next time. See you.